listeners welcome back to another episode of the talking influence podcast this one is slightly different as this episode was recorded live at the influencer marketing show last week for those who were unable to attend the show we wanted to be sure that you wouldn't miss out on a podcast episode so we're publishing it for you today the live podcast recording featuring Imogen Coles from Ogilvy is accidentally introduced by Scott Guthrie who was one of the chairs at the influencer marketing show Imogen kicks off by explaining a little bit more about her role at Ogilvy and as a content creator. I must also just apologise for the audio quality on the first minute or so of this podcast. I promise it does improve very quickly. That's just the beauty of recording live. I really hope that you enjoy listening to this episode as much as I enjoyed recording it. Yeah, sure. So, um, as Neve was just saying, I am a business director at Ogilvy, which means that I work with the UK team to, across all of our clients, um, predominantly cross-European um, brands and businesses, on influence marketing campaigns. Everything from your small-scale, everyday, getting products out there in the hands of our influencers, all the way through to big, um, integrated TVC-led campaigns with our influencers as well. On the flip side of that, so as you were saying, I also work as a creator. So I've been um, predominantly an Instagram creator now for, oh, I always try and remember this. I think if I go by when I got married, I think about six years, um, starting off as a a bookstagram, if anybody knows the lovely book Instagram community, Um, starting off as that and then moving now more into um, what I call my little slow Sunday corner of the world, but basically photography um, or uh, solo shooting photography as it were lovely that is great Imogen. thank you so much i wouldn't have been able to put it better <laughs> myself so yeah the podcast is split into sort of three sections as i said it's a bit more of a personal discussion than a solely influencer marketing based podcast so today i'll be chatting with imogen about her own influences so the things that influence her personally professionally and the things that influence her future goals um we've had a little chat beforehand so hopefully you're feeling feeling ready so let's get right into it so imogen can you tell us a little bit more about the things that have influenced your personal life? So think childhood, growing up, what's the sort of things that have influenced you? It's very strange to be answering a this is your life question at the age of 29, but I will going into it. Um, so I was thinking about this over the last sort of week about what has really influenced me. And I think predominantly, I've always been really influenced by the idea of self-sufficiency um not in terms of growing all of my own food because no (laughs) but more in terms of i like to be driven by lots of mini challenges so when i was uh back in school i grew up in the northwest in preston predominantly only known for being the first kfc in the uk wow it's really interesting (laughs) um but no so i I was very much all about how I love to be tested. I was that girl at school who really enjoyed when uh, GCSEs came around or like small pop quizzes. And it's less about really enjoying the exam experiences because I I did well, for example, it it wasn't that at all. It's that I like uh, goal setting and I like to be able to 
stand on my own two feet, set a challenge, achieve it, and then move on again. And that's kind of influenced everything that I've done ever since, really. Um, I think it sounds really strange, but actually a lot of the women in my life as I was growing up um, had a very traditional nucleus family set up. They were very... Um, uh, not reliant on the husband, but it, it was very much that sort of partnership role. And <laughs> I absolutely went, I mean, aside from the fact that I am 29, married, pregnant, obviously, um, I actually completely went against that. And I, the, the worst idea in the world to me is the idea of having to ask somebody for money or having to be sufficient on somebody else. So, for example, when I was ooh, 14, I set up a photography business um, to basically earn a little bit more money for myself to be able to go out and do things. I always wanted to do projects on the side and working and that sort of thing. And I started by charging um, friends at school for me to take their pictures. And then I started doing friends of friends of friends, weddings and that sort of thing. Um, and there was a really pivotal moment, which honestly, I, I, th this specific moment, I credit to how the rest of my career has gone. And it's that when I was about 16 and I was doing these pictures, and let's be honest, if anybody saw them now, they were bloody awful. But I was doing it, you know, you're making an effort. And there was um, a group of girls in my school who went into a park where I'd done a series of pictures and they copied every single photo I'd done. They uploaded them onto what I assume was MySpace back then, but I can't actually remember. And they posted these silly captions underneath. And it was just the most ridiculous form of bullying. But I was heartbroken, as you would be at 16. And I was crying and in tears and whatever. And one of my brother's friends actually came up to me that night. And he just said to me, just best thing you can do is just swearing. I'm not going to say it, but <laughs> F them and, uh, and prove them wrong. And I think ever since that point, I then switched from a very academically driven career goal to wanting to go and do photography at uni. I then, I, I then start, I took my photography business to another level so that I could save the money to go and do my first year of uni in London. And ever since, whenever I've struggled with a challenge, I've always thought back to that moment. And I've always thought, actually, I really don't give a, I, I don't care what other people think of what I'm doing. It's that personal challenge and that moment that I just, I chase that feeling. Yeah, that's great. Those sort of situations can mm. definitely be very make or break. And like you say, you could mm. have let that get to you and you could have let that sort of dampen your dream. But you thought, no, I'm going to, I'm going to take this and I'm going to go with it. I mean, it and wasn't even a dream at the time. It was just, I wanted to make some money and do a little bit of a side hustle. But yeah, because of them, it, it becomes a dream, doesn't it? Exactly. Yeah. Persistence is key <laughs> and here you are. So that was your first sort of professional experience mm. is launching this photography career in your young teenage years. So looking into more of your professional growth and professional influences, what sort of came from that, the photography, and how did you end up at Ogilvy? What influenced you to get here? So I was actually trying to get into Ogilvy for years before I managed to get an interview. Um, I asked a number of different recruiters in London to get me an interview and none of them could. Um, so I planned out a couple of different roles actually to help me get the tools that I thought I would need to get the specific job that I'm in now, which I think is partially why I love my job so much. Um, and a, a big one, a big one for me is the fact that I I worked throughout my time at uni. I, I did photography and you 
let's face it, everybody knows you don't have to be in the actual university building a lot when you're doing photography. So I worked during my time there and straight after I finished, about maybe two or three days actually after I finished university, I was in the pub, as all good stories start, and I was complaining to my now husband about the events job that I was doing. And a guy sat behind us said, uh, I, I, you sound like you would be great for my place. You should come and interview um, with us on Monday. And I did. And that launched my career into marketing pretty much, all thanks to some loud pints from this northern girl. And then I, there's another moment. It's funny, these little moments that you remember that I've been thinking about the last few weeks. And a specific moment, fast forward a few years, I was working at what was then called The Big Shot, but is now Rocket. Um, and we, had, we basically did a lot of campaigns for book publishers. And we worked on um, cross-discipline marketing campaigns, so lots of paid social, lots of influencer marketing. Um, and one specific campaign, about a month into me working there, we had sold in to one of the different publishing clients uh, a cross-discipline um, campaign, working with influencers and um, using their content in Twitter ads. None of us in the business knew how to do Twitter ads. And it was about nine o'clock at night and I was sat there with um, one of the owners of the business and we were stressing out as you do, trying to work out how to do these Twitter ads. And that, I think that is when I really fell in love with influence marketing because I saw from and the next few years, I, I, it was mainly to do with that integration with, between the paid social and between the influence. And it was that, coming together and understanding the data and how you can adapt your paid social campaign to make the influence work harder and vice versa that really spurred my love for the community and for influence. Yeah, that's great. I can imagine overcoming that sort of initial hurdle and figuring mm -hmm. things out and understanding how each piece of the puzzle mm. fits together, you may say, definitely grounded you into thinking, yep, this is where I meant to be. It, it's why it's why I love creators so much and why I've always loved the influence marketing industry. You are surrounded by lots of individuals who are so self-sufficient. They are such entrepreneurs, such they have they can't do something. They don't wait and find training. They go and learn it then. They go onto YouTube. They they just try and fail and try and fail and then eventually they work it into their day job. It's incredible and that's I think a lot of the people who work in the industry, as well as as creators, they they have this passion and this drive, and it's that can-do attitude that's just it's so infectious. Absolutely, and we're exactly we're all here because we feel that way, and all really understand how creators can push so many things, mm. and we all become invested not only in their creation but as creators as people. Um, so can you explain a little bit more about how directly you work with creators and what sort of drives you to do that, what your main passions are in your role? Yeah, of course. So um, obviously at Ogilvy, we work with a range of different brands. Um, I predominantly focus on um, the Bacardi portfolio and also TK Maxx and HomeSense. Um, I work on cross-European campaigns, which is actually, it's, it's wonderful. Um, no, never more so actually in a post-COVID world or even during COVID. Um, when you started to really see the cultural nuances and differences in our creators, but also in the way the audiences were, were responding to such a global phenomenon, it was fascinating. And so my day job can consist of anything from 
I don't know, meeting with brands to discuss. At the moment, it's a hell of a lot of talking about next year's strategies for the brands or on the ground ad hoc Christmas campaigns that we're running at the moment. It could be working with um, some of the wider businesses in the WPP network. So Mindshare, for example, to talk about paid strategies with some of our brands. Or then another amazing part of obviously working at Ogilvy is that you get to be involved in bigger picture ideas within the industry. So, for example, helping to um, shrink the, uh, the pay gap within the influence marketing industry. And we have a couple of initiatives that we've launched for that or really getting to mold the way that the industry develops and ensuring that actually this year more than ever, we're starting to see that brands are coming to us to look at their strategies for next year. And influence is a bigger and bigger part of the mix. And we've, we've everyone's been talking about integrated influence for years. And like, yes, you need to be integrating influence further up in the funnel. Yes, you need to be bringing it to the start of the planning process. We're all aware of that. But actually, it's happening now. And it's, it's happening at a serious level with more senior stakeholders. And it's a really, I find it's a really exciting time. I mean, I, people talk about the future of influence. And I, I, w I was expecting to hear lots of people today saying, oh, I'm really interested in the metaverse. And yes, very exciting in five to 10 years time or more. Um, but actually now it's about starting to see the things that we've been talking about for three years coming to fruition. Yeah, I've definitely heard the metaverse thrown around. It's going to be <laughs> the biggest buzzword for the next Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. And it's also interesting to learn a little bit more about your role as obviously Ogilvy isn't predominantly an influencer marketing um, company. It's marketing as a whole. So it's great to understand how you guys have integrated that and fit influence marketing into the bigger picture. Yeah, it's, um, it's interesting because people hear Ogilvy and they think they've been around forever. Potentially, they could be stuffy. Um, but actually, what, one of the reasons that I wanted my role was because of Rahul, who heads up. He's our head of um, UK and EMEA. And it's that we, we run the influence team like a small business within a bigger agency. And we have Ogilvy specifically this year has started to talk more and more about intersections. So it's about benefiting from the broader network. We have the most intelligent people in our business. They're incredible. They are the reason I go to work every day. They're fascinating. Everybody in the team. And the benefit of being at Ogilvy is that we are a very strong core, like the London hub team for influencers, around 15 people at the moment, growing very rapidly. Um, but we feed into every single morning, we will feed into the paid team, we'll feed into the above the line creative teams, we're feeding, you know, we're feeding into the PR team, we're working with a huge mix. And we almost work as an individual team, the way we run the UK team is that everybody goes off to different parts of the business at any one time. We're never really working together. Like, um, team members for rent almost, but in the best way, because then when we all come together in the evening or on a Thursday when we have our creative sharing sessions as a team, everybody has learned something new from a different part of the agency. And we can then reposition that and talk it back to our clients and help them to work better as well. Yeah, that's great. And I'm sure we're all always seeing exciting stuff come from Ogilvy. You guys won a large amount of awards <laughs> at the Influence Marketing Awards this year. so. It's, yeah, it's excellent to see. So obviously you're loving your role and you're on Instagram as well, predominantly doing photography. So what are some of your main influences and goals looking forward to the future? Obviously you've said you're expecting a baby. <laughs> so that's sort of 
throws. Throw something new into the mix. Yeah, I think birthing human life will be the next goal on the agenda. After we've got Christmas activations out of the way, that is the next, the one for January. Um, beyond that, I think there is, there's something for me about really nurturing the different segments. Like we talked, I was just talking about the intersections. I want to really nurture the segments within our team and within our business and our offering. Um, we have a really strong, I mean, just off the back of the awards, we have a really strong um, B2C team and a really passionate, really engaged, excited team, like looking into all like shoppable influence and all of that sort of thing, which is great. But actually I'm really excited in how we can start to nurture those new areas of influence marketing that are bubbling up, like B2B influence, for example, um, like healthcare influence, all of these different elements which aren't, aren't necessarily sitting on your TikToks or your Instagram, because I feel like that we do all the time. It's about how we can start to look at more closed communities, how we can look at working with influencers at conferences, how we can work with getting the right people talking in closed communities like, um, talking about pregnancy, the peanut app. Um, it's a parenting app if anybody doesn't know it, um, but you wouldn't necessarily work with an influencer on there, but how can we start to influence consumers and communities so that they're having conversations that we want them to have as a brand for us. That, it feels like we're almost going full circle back to where we used to be with influence, but actually we, it is so untapped that consumer arm of influence. I, I still stand by, like I love the data, but word of mouth will never be beaten for me in terms of influence. That's why we see creators being held up on TikTok at the moment for like a, a small creator with no followers gets millions of views on a video because they love a specific eye cream, like for example. Um, that really is just word of mouth in another form. And I think we need to go back to that, get away from the, the numbers, the follower numbers, and really just go back to having real one-to-one -one or one-to-few conversations. Yeah, definitely. That's been a huge topic of discussion over today and over the past typical to say 18 months <laughs> testing years. It's really going back to word of mouth, trust in mm. people and yeah, going back to basics, like you say, perhaps going a little bit more full circle, to yeah. be honest. And tapping into physical communities once again. I mean, we've got lots of great digital communities, but in a post-COVID world, those physical communities have never been more important. We're all, we all know our local coffee shop now. I didn't know my local coffee shop, or they didn't know my order up until the last two years or 18 months, and now they do and we we can't forget that and i don't think people want to forget that as we're starting to come back into the real world there's still that i don't know that thirst once again for closeness and digital the digital world like we're talking about the metaverse the metaverse has only really come about because of a need to be more immersed what's more immersive than the physical world is like in in a sense um, so that sounds like such a ridiculous thing to say, but it's true. How can we sort of step away from the fake social and towards back, like rein it back into real, real social, real influence, real conversations? Exactly. We, I guess we all predominantly work digitally here and our goals are often digital, but I agree with you. There's, there's nothing better than for example, when you do one of these sessions or the sessions that I've listened to and then I've seen the speakers come off of stage and somebody immediately says to them, that was great, I really enjoyed this, this and this. There's nothing better than that connection, that instant connection. Of course, 
digital the digital world is instant but there is never going to be anything as instant as just being connected with people in person yeah. and also when i'm saying this obviously once you mobilize people in the physical it then lives on digital it's we're not saying i'm not saying go back to basics and just focus on your consumers and forget about the rest of the funnel of course not but it's about making sure that you're nurturing that so that they then go and do that digital job for you in a certain sense exactly well Thank you, Imogen. We've actually come to towards the end of the session. Yes, no, it was amazing to chat to you and it's so great to learn a little bit more about what you do and as, as well the drive behind what you do and how you've ended up where you are. So it's been an absolute pleasure to, to chat to you, to you today. Thank you again to Imogen for being such a wonderful podcast guest. If you enjoyed listening to this live uncut episode, be sure to go back and listen to all of our previous episodes. We will be back again in November chatting to more people within the influencer marketing industry to find out about what influences them. Be sure to follow our podcast and subscribe and share with your peers and colleagues. We'll be back again very soon. Mm -hmm.